This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Hello, I'm Dr. Clarence Schuler, and I was just on the show with Dr. Karen, the voice of leadership. Let me share three things that we talked about. One was being fully present with your spouse. The other thing is how you can win at conflict as a couple. And something we very seldom talk about, but often may need to talk about is how can we affair-proof our marriage? So make sure you listen to the voice of leadership with Dr. Karen. It'll bless you. As an executive business leader, not only is it important for you to win at work, you also want to win at home. The demands of executive leadership often contribute to marriage casualties. Lack of time with the family is one of the main culprits. Today, our show focuses on how to keep your marriage vital and strong, even with the demands of the executive leadership lifestyle. My special guest today is a marriage expert. Dr. Clarence Schuler is the president and CEO of Building Lasting Relationships, also known as BLR. He's an author, marriage counselor, speaker, and life and relationship coach. For over 35 years, Clarence and his wife, Brenda, have conducted marriage, discipleship, men's, women's, and single seminars internationally. He was a marriage expert for Oprah's Love Goals reality show in 2020. Dr. Schuler and best-selling author Dr. Gary Chapman speak together at the five love languages and date night events. Dr. Schuler also speaks to youth, college students, and singles about friendships, dating, biblical sex, pornography, and sexting. He and Brenda are members of Family Life's Weekend to Remember Marriage Seminar. They won the 2019 Family Life Speaker of the Year Award presented to them in January 2020. Dr. Schuler and his wife Brenda especially assist marriages to overcome extramarital affairs. They've taught pastors about managing marriage, family, and ministry. Clarence assisted the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Administration for Children and Families, with its National African-American Healthy Marriage Initiative. He's certified in marriage education for professional training. Clarence's life and relationship coaching helps executives effectively manage their personal and professional lives, finding fulfillment in both. Clarence speaks for Iron Sharpens Iron, and in National Football League chapels. He was formerly president of Moody Bible Institute's alumni board. He's been featured in Essence Magazine, Discipleship Journal, Black Enterprise, and other magazines as well as radio, including Dr. Chapman's Building Relationships. He's on the board of the Fatherhood Co-Mission with Stephen Kendricks of the Kendrick Brothers Filmmakers. He's authored 10 books, including Keeping Your Wife Your Best Friend, 
a favorite of husbands. His newest book is Choose Greatness, 11 Wise Decisions Brave Young Men Make, co-authored with Dr. Gary Chapman, the New York Times bestselling author. Dr. Chapman and Dr. Schuler frequently speak together at events. Dr. Schuler and his wife, Brenda, are veterans of the pastorate, a variety of nonprofits, and corporate consulting. They reside in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and are the parents of three adult daughters. In their home, Clarence is known as the minority in their sorority. <laughs> so, Dr. Clarence Schuler, welcome to the show today. I'm so happy to have you as my guest. Dr. Karen, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to being with you today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And first of all, I just have to offer congratulations to you and your wife, Brenda, on winning the Family Life Speaker of the Year Award. That's a big deal. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you get that? Well, it really is a big deal. And, um, you know, we've been speaking for Family Life for almost tw- or a little more than 20 years. And every year they give the speaker, who they consider the best that year, the couple, that award. And there were times I thought I would quit speaking for family life because it's just so hard to do. But Brenda loved it. She encouraged me to do it. And just through the grace of God, when they gave it to us in 2020, I, I was shocked. I was really, I said, I'll probably never win it. I've been here like almost 20 years. I haven't won it. So I probably never will. And so when they called our names, I was just like, it's like a dream, but it's just really, really tremendous deal. And comes with the free cruise and some other uh, benefits. So it was, it was a really nice deal. So we were excited about it. Well, that's a wonderful thing. And for those who don't know, the Family Life Marriage Weekend to Remember is a wonderful event. My husband and I have had an opportunity to participate. We've also sponsored a number of other couples to go as well. So if you want something to build your marriage, that is one of the resources. And just hope that you get Dr. Schuler and his <laughs> wife as some of your facilitators when you do go. So thank you for just letting us know about that and congratulations to both of you because I know there are many other speakers and for you to be selected is indeed a big deal. You're making an impact in people's lives. So let me just ask this Clarence right off the bat, how does a really busy executive leader, somebody who may be working globally, traveling all the time, how do they stay connected to their spouse and also to their children? Well, I think the first thing that that executive has to understand is that it's not about balancing, you know, work and family. It's really about managing. And so you may actually spend more time on the road or at work than you do with your family, but your priority is your family. So you find ways to stay connected. And our fortune with our in our day and age, you can text, you can you can phone. I often I encourage executives, the one who's on the road, because sometimes it's a female, sometimes it's a male. I say, you know, at the end of the day, y'all schedule a time to talk to each other. And so you can debrief. If you have kids involved, try and call before they go to bed so you can actually speak to them. And you can also use Zoom or something else where you can see each other. You can see a facial expression. So it still allows that executive, if they're a parent, to still parent those child. And they're not touching those pretty close. If it's just a husband and wife, then they can have time to go. They talk. They, again, debrief about what went well that day, what didn't go well. They can encourage each other, make plans. And you can do that from about, you know, anywhere from 15, 30, 45 minutes, however you want to do it, but you're staying connected. You don't feel like it's distance and stuff like that. I also encourage if they're parenting, the kids can cross out on the calendar when mom or dad will be back. 
and the spouse can do that as well. They say, well, she or he'll be back at a certain time. So it just keeps their momentum up and they're excited. And when they do get home, they need to celebrate. It could be going out to dinner, it could be going to whatever they like to do, they can celebrate. So that's important too. So as you're working and staying connected, your spouse is what's most important and your work is just to help support everything, but your spouse is more important. So if you think managing, not balancing, because if we balance, we give them equal weight and work is not near as important as our spouse. So that's really an important concept, what you're talking about right now, because you're really saying that even though you might spend more time at work, the key is that you keep the family as the priority and you make sure that even if you're traveling or whatever's going on, that you're maintaining the connection. I know, as you probably know, pre-COVID, I kind of travel 80% of the time. And so my husband and I, I call him at night, you know, before I go to bed, sometimes it's really, really late. I'll call him really late at night when the day is done and we have our little session and talk Mm -hmm. to each other and do that debrief that you're talking about. And I know that that really does make a difference, the fact that we can connect every day. He doesn't call me because he says, I don't know what your schedule is going to be and when you're going to be finished. And so he wants me to be fully present. So I call him (laughs) when the day is done on the road and then we have our little conversation. So thank you for mentioning that as one of the strategies and also for the children and the wife or husband, whoever's home, to be able to check off on the calendar the days and and be aware of when, when the spouse is returning or the parent is returning. Can I add one more thing? You just said yeah. something I think is gold. That whole idea of being fully present, that is huge. And so when the spouse who is staying at home, whether it's male or female, if they don't feel the ones on the road is fully present, that can create a strain in marriage relationships. So thanks for sharing it. I think that's really, really important. I, I may uh, borrow that and give you credit. You help yourself. <laughs> you just borrowed anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> So now, Dr. Clarence, I know that you and your wife, Brenda, are known for helping couples to recover from extramarital affairs. So I want to ask you, why do these affairs occur anyway? And how are executive marriages particularly at risk? Well, the first question you ask is really the answer to this question. You know, when couples, if one's traveling a lot, they stay connected and really work at that. If they celebrate when they get back, that helps them from having affairs. Typically, when an affair occurs, there's been a disconnect, you know, usually emotional disconnect before there's a physical disconnect. And so that spouse, particularly when it stays at home, feels like the one who's on the road and traveling or are at work all day or and late nights, they really feel they're not a priority. When they begin to feel they're not a priority, whether you're looking for it or not, that opportunity to get in trouble usually pops up one way or another. It, it can be at church, it can be anywhere, neighborhood, wherever. And so when we feel that our spouse is disconnected from us and we're feeling sorry for ourselves and lonely, then we look for that and we end up getting in a situation we really don't want to get into. All right. That's really important to know. So you really have to maintain the connection so you don't feel neglected, so you don't feel lonely. And that is part of affair proofing. What other strategies do you have for affair-proofing a marriage or at least focusing on prevention? Well, if we focus on prevention, uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier too, you have to really listen to your spouse. When we're on the road, it's a little bit easier. It's kind of about us. We're doing stuff. We're excited doing what we do. We do it well. We enjoy that. We get our kind of encouragement by what we do and get feedback when we do. The spouse who's staying at home can sometimes, not always, but sometimes feel left out or feel they're not as important as one who's traveling. And so one thing that's really important when we are debriefing is to really listen. I love what you say, staying present. 
I think we also have to think in our mind, make an emotional commitment, a mental commitment that I'm committed to my wife or I'm committed to my husband. And because you're going to meet other people as you're traveling on the plane, wherever meeting that you may have chemistry with. And you may even say, you know, if I was not married, I'd be interested. But we have to say a discipline, say I am married, so I can't be interested. So you protect yourself. Well, for example, I typically don't hug other women. You know, if, if they come and hug you because you know something like family, like sister, then you do that. But but generally, I don't initiate hugging other women just for a lot of reasons. That just kind of keeps me uh, focused. Then also, I guard my eyes. What am I watching? Am I watching the other person? If you know, for me, a female too much, uh, even in my hotel room if I'm traveling, I watch ESPN and something really simple. I'm not watching HBO after nine o'clock because usually nothing that I need to see comes on HBO after nine o'clock. So you set some rules and self-discipline because I'm committed to my spouse, I love my spouse, that I'm not gonna do these things. You're not gonna be in a hotel room with a, um, a coworker who's a female or, or if a, for a female who's a male. So just, and one of my friends, she traveled a lot and she said, you know, she even got to where, and this may be extreme, but she flew on a different flight than the executive she was. Because she said one time they flew together somewhere overseas and they both were tired, it worked long, jumped on the plane and they woke up, they were like snuggling with each other in their sleep. And, and she said, wow, that's not where I wanna be. So I'm not saying you have to take that extreme, but I think you have to be careful. And you know what you need to do to protect yourself, I think. Uh, or when you're getting in trouble. At least I think you do. <laughs> At least, <laughs> put it this way, you've got to be astute and you've got to be paying attention yeah. and you have to look at even the small things that could be creeping in and that could be causing some problems. And I like what you said about, you have to remember your commitment and yeah. that that commitment is important to you. It doesn't mean you might not have chemistry, as you said, or a passing interest in someone, but you got to cut that off at the past and say, wait a minute, yeah. I'm married. And it's not like I am single. If I was single, maybe I'd be interested, but I'm not. So you right. always got to remind yourself of where you really are. One of the things when we talk about listening to spouses with my husband, my husband's re retired. And so even though I'm continuing to work and so on and so forth, and he's not a big traveler, he doesn't always like to get on planes and go places as much as I do. However, I rely on him to say to me sometimes, just say, I think you've been gone a lot. And if he says that to me, because he rarely says that, because he's very tolerant of my travel schedule, probably more than most spouses would be. But if he says that, it's time for me to pay attention. It's time for me to listen, because that's unusual. And then what we also do is I build these trips that I know he's going to enjoy, mm -hmm. and I'll take them with me, because there's some places that he does want to go. If I'm going to some exciting location, and he's a great photographer, so he wants to take pictures, or if he wants to play golf there, or whatever he wants to do, then he'll go on those trips. There are other trips I know he ha doesn't want to have anything to do with those. And so those are off the table. So I try to include him where I can and I'm listening to him if he's starting to feel like I've been gone for too much. And what you just did, you're showing him that he's a priority for you. And the other thing that you listen, and, and I travel a lot, so I, I keep a little journal. And in that journal, if I'm traveling, I have the date, I have the purpose of the trip, you know, where I'm going. But I also ask myself this question before I even go on a trip is this trip necessary? And for me, before I leave on any trip, when I've asked to speak or go somewhere, I always ask Brenda, uh, I say, are you okay with this? And so I always get her permission to go. And like I said, it sounds funny, but no, she's really important. So I do have her permission to go when I travel, which also means I have her blessing. So I'm not on the road thinking about 
producing whatever I got to do. And worry about her saying, you know, she's not excited that I'm going, even though I'm going to get a big paycheck. I have her emotional and spiritual blessings with me as I go. And she feels honored because she signs off on every trip I go on. So that's also a safeguard because like, you know, uh, your husband, if she says, I think you're traveling too much, then that means I had to really bag with my trips. And, and that means I'm probably going to cut down some of my travel. Exactly. So for me, it either be cut something back and or include them in some right. as well. So we're not apart, you know, in that sense. So it's intentional. There, there are intentional things that you really have to do. So Dr. Clarence, let me ask you this. What's your big why for doing this type of work? How did you and your wife, Brenda, decide to focus on marriage relationships? Well, that sounds really funny, but I never intend to get into a marriage stuff. I, I, I don't know what I was going to do, but I was single. I was working with a group of pastors in a particular denomination, and a lot of these pastors were married, but they weren't living the way they should live, and they weren't really being faithful to their wives. And so people started asking what I thought about marriage because I was teaching for the state. And so I would, when I would go to seminar, I would just share biblical principles of marriage as a single. And people often say, well, how can you teach about marriage and you're not married? I said, well, I don't have any experience, but I can tell you what the biblical principles are. And the government has also shown in their research that couples that have some kind of religious affiliation and participation have better and longer lasting marriages. So that's kind of how I got into it. Then Brenda got married. She got drafted into it. And then I began to learn by experience, but it never changed the, the for me, the biblical principles. You know, that's really interesting because a lot of times in leadership, we also learn from some bad examples. We learn what not to do. And that's essentially what you're talking about, having, you know, seen some of these pastors who really weren't being faithful, seeing the impact not only on their families, but also on the, the people of faith, the church, you know, the ministries that they were involved in. So even as a single man, God's already preparing you to live a different way when you got married. And, you know, the other thing too, when I played tennis with a lot of my friends are not Christians, but they're very successful in the business world but they're in their second and third, some fourth marriages. And so when I would talk about one of my friends, his living girlfriend at the time, and there's an older guy at the time, she had read my marriage book. And so he said, my, my girlfriend's talking about your marriage book. And what do you say about this and this? And so I started responding. The locker room got dead quiet because here you have men successful in business, but not successful in relationships. Yeah, that's a big one. So let me ask this question, and you can comment on this as it relates to those executive leaders too. What have you learned over the years and working with many married couples, and what are some key success strategies for cultivating a thriving marriage? And, you know, say even more about what you're even doing with your own marriage to make it a priority, because you have extensive travel too, as we said, and, and speaking engagements. You've mentioned some of the things that you do, but Think about some of those couples you've worked with, marriages that you've seen. What have you observed? What would be relevant for executives out there to be aware of and to know about? Well, I think it's really easy to take your spouse for granted. You've been with them a long time. You used to having sex with them. You know each other really well. You know how to have fights, all that kind of stuff. And there's a tendency to forget the strengths and how they make you better. And we tend to focus on their weaknesses or our perception of their weaknesses they kind of drive us crazy. And so what happens is we begin to take them for granted and we don't make them a priority, which means you don't schedule time with them. And so I think it's important as we're talking, 
I think it's important that you have a, a job career calendar and a marriage calendar, or if you have kids, a family calendar. And in reality, the marriage calendar and the family calendar has to take priority over the career calendar because that's what's really important. And you're, you're just working to support your family, but your family, what makes you. So I think if you remember that, you've got to communicate. The biggest thing is when I talk to couples, they somehow drift apart. Uh, if they have kids, they tend to put the kids as first instead of each other. And they need to have each other first and then the kids. That helps the kids, it helps the kids as they raise their own grandkids. So you, you, you need to do that and make sure you're not taking it for granted, but schedule that time together. We encourage couples to date. A lot of couples don't date. And we say, hey, you know, date at least once a month. We encourage twice a month. One of my friends was having marriage problems. He was an executive, traveled three days a week. And he came to talk to him about it. And as we talked and just kind of tried to solve, uh, solve it out loud, he figured out, I can take her for a walk every day. So every day that couple goes for a walk. They take their, their dog and they walk for about 45 minutes to an hour. And that has revolutionized their marriage. And what has happened is now he travels so much, but guess what? He takes her on a lot of those trips with him and they're just having a blast. They just got back from being out overseas. And he says, you know, during that time we talk about everything. Well, research shows that the average woman, not all women wanna talk about your relationship every day about 45 minutes to an hour. So rain or sleet, they're out doing it. Well. If you do that, you're telling that person you care. Most men, we want to talk about the marriage relationship maybe once every two weeks and maybe about 10 minutes, only if we think something is wrong. So we have to make a compromise and have to sacrifice. And we have to keep serving our spouse. So I think these are things that are really important. And remember what makes her happy and what makes you happy. Remember what attracted you to her or to him and begin to focus on those things. And I think this whole idea of interdependency. You know, where I'm strong, Brenda's weak, but where she's strong, I'm weak. And so we, when you rely on each other and practice that rely on each other, I think that continues to have an ongoing intimacy. And I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about a closeness with each other. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight a couple of things you just said there, because I think they're so important. And that is, there's a reason that you've been brought together. And usually there's some oppositeness, if you will. <laughs> And that oppositeness can be grating at times. However, most of the time, it's a benefit if you remember to look at it as a benefit. I remember when Greg, my husband, and I, when we got married, one of the verses that we had read at our wedding was a verse that talks about, you know, whatsoever things are lovely and of good report, think on these things. Because in marriage, you could be tempted to focus on all the flat sides and all the problems when in fact something good is going on every day. There's something wonderful about your spouse you can think about every day. And if you approach it with that mindset, it keeps you in the the mindset of gratitude and appreciation and honoring, you know, of your spouse. Right. And another thing too is, uh, you, you said talk about your wedding. One of our wedding vows was that we're better together for each other than we are apart. And I have to remember how Brenda makes me better. Like even I just did this presentation for this diversity training uh, yesterday. Well, Brenda put so much work in our my booklet, my diversity booklet that we hand out. It was huge. And I thought, wow, she's a pretty amazing woman because I could not do that. And But she did it because she loved me. So I, I think that's important that we do those things and and remember those things. You know, it's funny you should say that because I'm an executive advisor, consultant. I work with a lot of corporate executives, advising them on a lot of big issues in business. And I always say that Greg is really the advisor to the advisor. (laughs) 
So when anything's going on, or if I just, you know, need to make some wisdom and some counsel, and God has gifted him with the ability to have a spiritual discernment at a deep level. So he can sometimes see some things that I might not see, though they're important for me to see. And so he's my advisor, he's my yeah. counselor while I'm out there advising other people. So it, it's a wonderful thing. Just like you said, you just got to remember to see it and also to appreciate it. And one thing too, the whole idea of conflict, conflict's not bad. You know, conflicts, you know, men and women are different. There's nothing wrong with that. And so typically you have conflicts and then conflicts part of reality. So to avoid conflict, you're actually trying to avoid reality. But the key with conflict is not about winning. If one of you wins, then you lose as a couple. But the key about conflict is understanding. And so I think because when, when Brenda have conflict, at the end of it, I learned one more thing about her that's just really important to her or she does for me. And so the goal of conflict is really to gain that understanding. So conflict's not bad. And I think for us, it's actually made us closer as we work through that process. So I just want to tell couples, you can win as a couple with conflict, but it's how you treat each other, how you approach each other as you work through the conflict. Absolutely. Especially if you understand it as a way of deepening your understanding and having a more I say a deeper knowledge of what's important, like you said to your spouse, it helped you to know how to navigate, you know, going forward. And if that wasn't shared, you would just be skating on the surface and not going down to the deeper level. So yeah, thank you for saying that. Because some people, they see the conflict and get frightened and they may not have the skills or the tools to work through and move through the conflict or to communicate effectively through it. However, you could say, hmm, what's the lesson I'm to learn here? How is this conflict going to help me go deeper, you know, in my relationship? That's a different spin on it. It is. That's a good spin. Yeah, that's a very good spin. So let me ask this, and this is maybe shifting a little bit, but what differences do you see for women executives? Because, you know, I work mostly with male executives. I know you work a lot with male executives, and there are more female executives showing up in the workplace today Everything we've talked about applies to them for sure. What else might be something unique for women executives? Well, not being one, I think they just have to be even more aware of their circumstances than sometimes a male. You know, sometimes it's a male-dominated world. Uh, sometimes uh, it seems in research that males tend to get paid more than females who are doing the same job. And so I think how they navigate of situations, they just have to be just more aware of who they're talking to or how they're talking to, how things are being interpreted. So, and it's not fair, but I think females have to be careful how they dress. I think that's important because men are uh, notice how women dress and how they're shaped. And so I think they just have to be careful with that. You shouldn't have to be, but, but you just have to be aware of that. A conversation, having a conversation. Some females like to touch. They don't mean anything by it. They just kind of, well, in a business deal, that's probably not a good thing to do if you're dealing with a male. And so just little things like that that you have to process. You know, I often tell women how to win at work and how to run or play with the big boys. And just kind of tell the difference between guys because most men, we have a little boy inside of us. And so I often tell the women, find that little boy and to have that conversation with a little boy because he's innocent and he's open and he's usually fair-minded. So be careful about being alone with men. I think women already know that, but, but just as a guy, I, I would say that. And then for men, treat women with respect, whether they're married or single, you know, keep a distance. You know, it's like going to church, you go hug somebody out, you know, they may not be comfortable you hugging them. 
and then listen to them and don't think they're less because they're female. You know, I was doing diversity training for a university. The smartest person in the room, myself included, was this female vice president. She worked from the bookstore up. She should be a senior vice president. But when we finished the meeting, she didn't speak. And I said, why didn't you speak? She said, it's not a safe place for me in there. And that's why my diversity book I wrote about making the workplace a safe place for women and also people of color. You, you mentioned some important things, and that's women understanding that there are, are some significant differences between men and women, and men may interpret things in a different way, very different from how the woman may be intending them. So just like in other settings, we have to learn to speak the language, if you will, of other people. Women also have to be conscious of what is the language of men and make sure that they're not conveying something that they don't intend to convey. So I think that's a huge point as far as safety and protecting yourself and your marriage relationship and so on. So Clarence, um, how can people reach you and how can they find out more about your marriage book? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, my website is just Clarence, not Clarence, but ClarenceShuler.com. My last name is S-H-U-L-E-R. We were poor, so there's only one L in there. So ClarenceShuler.com, if they go there, there are free videos. Like for example, I have a free video series. It's called Common Mistakes Most Couples Make. So whether they're married or single, they end up getting 13 free videos that can really help turn their relationship around. We get tremendous feedback from that. Uh, I do love my newest book. It's called Keeping Your Wife Your Best Friend. We can't make her you, any a woman do anything, but there's some suggestions for men in here to help them in their relationship. So whether it's their first marriage or it's not their first marriage, we even have interviews with couples. If it's not your first marriage, how to make the marriage you're in your last marriage. As a chapter on leaders or executives and pastors or politicians, how to stay connected with your wife. We shared a few things, but there are a lot more things in about how to stay connected with your spouse if you're the one on the road. So uh, it shares my pornography addiction, how God delivered me from that and how I've been clean for the last 27, 28 years. So there's a lot of things in there. Uh, we talk about sex pretty explicitly because we believe that you have a great sex life if you have problems in the bedroom because you have problems outside the bedroom. So those are some things I would love them to go to. And uh, I think it'd be really helpful. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing the resources, especially free resources that people can access and also being authentic and transparent and sharing your own journey, what mm -hmm. you've gone through and what you've learned, because really that makes you even more credible. It's like, okay, I've been in the water with the sharks and I've gotten out and you <laughs> can get out too, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that. So as we close, um, Clarence, what, what words of wisdom do you want to leave for my audience of executive business leaders? Well, the one thing I would say is at the end of the day or at the end of your life, say if you have the privilege of being on your deathbed, your family's around you, no one's going to really be concerned how much money you made, how many deals you closed. What's going to really be important is your life and the life of those around you who you love and the legacy you're leaving. And so that's why I say it's really important to manage your relationship with your family and then career comes after that or with your wife or your husband. That's what's most important. And so what that means, what it translates into when we're making business deals or when we think about going on trips, we may need to cancel some of those trips or lose out on some of those contracts. So our spouse knows if we have to choose between the two, always choose your spouse. And I believe that God would always bless you if you put your spouse first. Because how I treat my spouse is a real reflection of how I'm loving God. 
Oh, okay. That is phenomenal. Thank you so much for those words of wisdom. And thank you so much for being with me today on The Voice of Leadership and Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. And I want to just summarize, uh, Dr. Clarence, for my audience here, a little bit of few things that you said in this interview. You talked about how important it is to manage the relationship with your spouse and make it a priority. Even if you're spending more time at work, that doesn't mean that work is the priority. Be willing to listen to your spouse, find out what's important to them and care enough about your spouse. You're willing to make some changes in your schedule. Maybe not travel as much if that's causing a problem. And no matter, even if you are traveling, stay connected Stay emotionally connected. Stay physically connected. Let your spouse know how much you appreciate them. Understand the compliment that they are to your life and what the benefit is of that and focus on the positive of the relationship. And I also heard you say, Dr. Clarence, to put a few guardrails around the relationship as well. You may find yourself attracted to someone, but remind yourself of the commitment to your marriage, to your relationship, and don't allow any of those fleeting attractions to become anything more than something that passes real fast on the screen and you go on to something else. So I think that those are all very wonderful I'll say survival skills to make sure that your marriage thrives if you are an executive leader. And if you're a woman executive, you've got to learn to read the language of men and make sure you're not signaling something that you don't intend to signal because there is a different language very often going on. So I'm going to thank my guest, Dr. Clarence, for sharing all of those words of wisdom with us today. And we're going to end the show with a few verses from Ephesians, the fifth chapter. And I'm going to start in verse 28. And it's going to highlight the husband's role because God did place the husband in the family to be a leader. So it says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You are the instrument of your leadership. And so I invite you to read a complimentary chapter of my book, Lead Yourself First, The Senior Leader's Guide to Engaging Your People for Greater Performance and Impact. And here's what you'll get from reading the book. You'll get some perspectives on how to leverage your unique gifts and superpowers, also how to mine the gold of your past experiences, overcoming challenges. And thirdly, you'll be able to identify the continual learning that will catapult you to your next victory. So to read that complimentary chapter, go to my website, www.transleadership.com, scroll down the homepage and click on the button that says read a chapter, and I look forward to meeting you inside the book. 
You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources. Thank you.